With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome, everybody, to another edition of Bucky's Fifth Podcast. Jake Kukorowski here on this Tuesday evening. We got Owen Reese, as always, my co-host for this wonderful podcast. And joining us today, a former writer at B5Q, wrote for us a little bit, was it 2013? Time's flown by there. But we have from the Wisconsin State Journal, covers the beat, the Wisconsin football beat for the Wisconsin State Journal. We got Jason Galloway here. Jason, man, happy Tuesday. Spring football is now upon us. Yeah, it's too bad we couldn't uh, couldn't see it today. I know. Uh, yeah, for those that don't know, the first week of practice is closed off to the media. So practice um, today, which is Tuesday, Thursday, and then there's a practice this weekend or some around sometime around this weekend uh, will be closed. I think it's Saturday that is closed yeah. to the media. But starting April second, no no April Fool's joke there. We will be there covering spring ball and i know myself and i know jason will both be there and i mean granted jason man yesterday we had a nice 20 minute conversation with paul chris jason man i mean 20 minutes is pretty long time talking to paul and that's i mean granted i know there's a lot that happened we didn't no one even asked about kyle penniston for that matter uh but you know, there's talk about Alex Hornibrook and the transfer there, John Dietzen retiring, who, you know, the status of Garrett Rand, among others. A lot of quarterback talk. I know you hit on it in, in your article, and we hit it on ours on Bucky's fifth quarter. Uh, really, starting off with the, the position changes, though, you know, we can hit it off there first. What was your reaction to, you know, some of the play, you know, the position changes? Seth Curran's goes from outside, uh, from safety to inside linebacker. Griffin Grady bounces to the to outside from inside linebacker. You have Isaac Rendo, Brady Shipper going to running back. Those are the ones that we know about. Uh, which ones are the most intriguing to you? For me, I think it's Grady to outside linebacker. And, you know, I, I know we're going to get into the outside linebackers a little bit later, but I think there's just a, a, there's a lot of candidates uh, to, to be in the rotation this year after Zach Bond. Obviously, they got to find a second starter there. Uh, Tyler Johnson, I, I think Tyler Johnson would still probably be the favorite there. But with Grady moving over there, I, I think he's a candidate to to at least compete for that spot. And you you have a couple young guys that Jim Leonard, um, you know, said that did well in bowl prep and Isaiah Green May and and Jalen Franklin. And you have you know Spencer Little, a true freshman coming in that's that, that's pretty highly ranked. Um, you you just have a I, I'm probably forgetting somebody too, but you have you have a lot of guys at that spot um, that we don't really know a whole lot about. Uh, but but have potential to to maybe be good rotation guys for for them. 
uh, at that spot. So I think Grady moving over is pretty interesting because it's already a, a, a group that has um, ha- has some talent there. I mean, I know they're you know a lot of unproven talent, but I think that it's, it's interesting that they think that he can um, he can move over there and, and play a role. So I'm kind of interested to see kind of how he looks because he, he's a guy that played as a true freshman uh, before he redshirted the following year, and um, I, I think they like him. Uh, and I think he would have been if he didn't move. I think he would have been, um, it, you know, a, a, on the on the two deep at inside linebacker this year. Um, so I, I think that uh, I, I'm really curious to see what he looks like on the outside. Jason, I, I want to ask you about Seth Kearns in a second here, but um, I want to get your reaction on this as well. The move with Grady kind of reminded me, and I know it's it's uh, vice versa positions, but. Uh, a couple of years ago, or I was, I believe it was Chris first spring ball. Jack Sitchie was really impressive in the spring game. Uh, and then it was kind of one of those things where like, well, you want to get him on the field, but he's not going to play it outside linebacker with, with Beagle and Schobert um, and, and TJ Watt there. And they kind of moved him inside and found a way to get him on the field. Do you think that's a way that they're maybe just trying to, to get as many good linebackers on the field as they can kind of regardless of whether or not they have to shuffle some guys around? Yeah, that definitely could be the case. And I think that, you know, I, I think your starters, your favorites for, for the inside starters are, are pretty clear with, with Chris Orr and, and Jack Sanborn right now. And I, I think Grady could have been in that next group. Uh, but it, it is interesting that maybe they, that, that's why I think that's why I'm intrigued by it, is because I think that he would have played it inside linebacker. He wouldn't have started, but I think he would have played. So and the fact that they're switching to the outside makes me think that, um, that they really think he's, uh, he can be a player that can do something for them on the outside. So yeah, I, I think they are just trying to mix some guys around and see, um, yeah, see, see, see how many, see who can get on the field at these different spots, whether it's inside or outside. And then Curran's, you know, moving down to inside linebacker, um, you know, may, maybe with Grady gone to the outside now, he can he can kind of fight for a two deep spot, and, and and maybe he can work a little bit into the rotation. So I I look, they they have you know obviously they got three starters to replace at a linebacker. It's going to be interesting to see how this shakes out. I think there's like I said, there's a lot of names there, and uh, you know some names we don't know a whole lot about yet, or or, or what they, what they'll be able to do. So I think it's it's something it's it's really kind of the position on defense that that I'm, I'm the most interested to look at. Some of the Badgers that are going to be out, or as Paul Chris alluded to yesterday, are going to be limited potentially. Um, out of the ones that he mentioned, Cole Van Lennon and Tyler Tyler Biotish, the offensive lineman, will be out uh, for the spring. Didn't really go into detail why necessarily, uh, though I'm guessing it's some health-related issue, obviously. Uh, but then there's Christian Bell, who he did call out had a, an injury during bowl prep practices. Those three are definitely out. But then you have Garrett Rand and Broderick Shaw, uh, both uh, when asked by uh, by us, the reporters that were there, you know, mentioned about Rand being kind of limited and doesn't know if he's going to be on a pitch count with him coming back from that reported Achilles tear and then Shaw obviously working back uh, from injury that cost him all of, of last season. You know, who, you know, which position group is really affected the most by these players either being out or being limited? Yeah. You know, I, I think it's, it's the offensive line. You know, Van Landen and Biotich are, are kind of your two guys that are, I know Van Landen wasn't really right. a starter last year, but he, he practically was um, with those two guys out. That gives a lot of opportunity for, uh, for some of the young players that spots it to get first team reps and see what they can do. You know, I think Tyler beach is a guy that, that could get a lot of um, left tackle reps throughout the spring. And, and maybe he can at least have an opportunity to, um, 
to just show what he can do. Uh, you know, Josh Sheltzner is a guy that was a walk on here, but I think that they they really have liked what he's been able to do the last couple of years. And uh, I think Joe Rudolph even mentioned toward the end of last year that he actually expects him to to compete for a starting job this year. And I, I, I don't know if he's the favorite to do so, but but I think with with these other guys out and with you know with uh, with Lyles and Erdman taking a lot of center reps, that gives you know Sheltzner a, a greater opportunity to. Uh, to take a lot of one reps, uh, you know, at the guard position, and um, so I, look, again, there's going to be a lot of new faces on the offensive line that 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 you know fans haven't seen a lot of yet. Um, I, I think it kind of helps them that they have guys like like Erdman and Logan Bruss, and you know, some guys that haven't been starting but but have started games in the past. But but I think with these two guys out, and this has kind of become a a, con, a you know a trend every year with spring ball. These these offensive linemen that have that that are experienced and have started games in the past. They, they seem to always sit out the spring. I, I remember last, last year there was, I, I think pretty much they, they had a lot of their starters out as well. And I think it, I, I think it helps some of these young players uh, be, be able to get more reps and, um, and, you know, spring spring is one of those things where you don't necessarily need to be um, preparing for the new season yet. You know, I think, I think it's a time where, you know, they always want to just focus on improvement rather than position battles. And, I think when you have a lot of young guys that on the offensive line that have that have talent but but maybe aren't quite polished yet to, to get them some more reps, I think it could be really big for sort of their long term future. Speaking of polish and getting more reps, uh, let's take a quick quick transition to the quarterback <laughs> position. Uh, Paul Chris, uh, man, yeah. Uh, as we all know, uh, that's why we get paid the big bucks. Uh, as we all know, Paul Chris, uh, not always the most open uh, when discussing quarterbacks and. Um, a bit of that uh, yesterday as well. Uh, but obviously some pretty big shakeups, some pretty significant changeover at the position. What was your reaction um, to, uh, I guess, first of all, to, to Alex Hornibrook transferring and then as well kind of what, what Paul Chris had to say yesterday regarding the quarterback position uh, as a whole heading into spring? Yeah, I was I was pretty surprised when Hornibrook announced he was transferring. I, I thought that there was a chance that, that he wouldn't be back this year, but I, I thought it would be probably health related if, if, if that were the case. And um, obviously he's transferring to Florida state. So that's, that's not the case. He is going to, he does plan on playing again. Um, but I, I think it's really interesting. I think it makes this off season a lot more interesting uh, for Wisconsin. I think, you know, Hornybrook would have been as, you know, as, as, as much struggles as he had last year, you know, being a three-year starter, he would have been the favorite to, uh, to win the job again this year. And I, I do think if he had stayed, there would have been, a full-fledged competition still, but I think he would have been the favorite um, having, having the experience he has. And now you come into this um, really with uh, almost everyone as a clean slate. And I think Jack Cohn obviously had, had the five games he played last year and started to look a little better in those last two against Purdue and Miami. Uh, but we'll have to kind of see if he's able to kind of take that and, and take the next step up. And these, these other three guys, uh, you know, Danny Vandenboom, Chase Wolf and Graham Mertz, we just don't know a whole lot about them yet. I mean, we've seen, Obviously, we've seen we've seen the high school tape. We've seen you know Danny Vandenboom throw a touchdown pass and a and a thirty point win over New Mexico. Um, but but we we really haven't seen enough of these guys to have a have a have a big opinion on them yet. And so this is kind of the first time in spring we're going to get the chance to to kind of see how this works out. And like you said, Paul Paul didn't say much about the quarterback competition. He's not going to give anything away right now of, of kind of what he's thinking or or where he's leaning if he is leaning any direction. Uh, but I, I, you know, it, it is interesting that he said that, you know, he, they've got four scholarship quarterbacks and he expects all four to, to get reps. Now, you know, I think, you know, he kind of played it off that it was, it was easy to get four guys reps. I don't know if it, 
it, it really is. I, I think that I think you know we'll we'll know. It's going to be pretty telling, kind of how these reps are divided. I think early on. Um, I I don't think you can give four guys equal reps. I think that's uh, I think that's pretty difficult to do. And it's going to be you know I'm really curious to these first few practices that we're going to get to see next week. Um, you know who, who's going to be going out there first? Who's going to be taking more of the one reps? And and how are these divided? Because uh, I think that I I and again I you know a lot of people are obviously excited about Graham Mertz and want to see him be named the starter right away. But um, I, I I think. I think you need to kind of temper those expectations as, you know, I, I don't think he's a lock to win this job, obviously. And I, and I think if he did win the job, um, a true freshman starting as talented as he is, is going to be probably some growing pains in there. So I, I, I'm really intrigued by, I, this is obviously the story of, of, of the off season and of spring practice. And I, I'm, I'm really anxious to get out there next week and to kind of see what Mertz looks like in his first practices as, as a college player. And, and kind of if some of these other guys we haven't seen take a whole lot of reps yet, like Chase Wolf and Danny Vandenboom, um, have they taken the necessary steps to to, to actually compete uh, as as we go through the offseason? You and we're here with Jason Galloway from the Wisconsin State Journal here on Bucky's fifth podcast. Always great talking to Jason. Looking at the position previews, there's going to be three, and we'll whip through these for you guys. One to get Jason back uh, just to relax on this Tuesday evening, but also just kind of whip around and kind of talk about just uh, three positions, outside linebackers, wide receivers, and the specialists. I mean, let's kick off with the outside linebackers first, talking about defense. Gone is Andrew Van Ginkle, and maybe we'll wrap these two questions into one. How much will this unit, and I think it will miss it a lot, how much will this unit miss Andrew Van Ginkle and his production? Even when he was injured last year, I felt he made a sizable impact at the position uh, compared to the others. But also, can Zach Bond, going to be a redshirt senior if he's healthy can he take that next step and become a leader with this with this group i think to answer the second part first i think zach bond can take the next step i i think he um i i think he had a little bit of a transition period sitting out a whole year uh in 2017 and coming in and, as a starter this year but i think really over the second half of the year he started to really improve and and show what he's made of and i i think he's Got a real opportunity. I, I think he's a breakout candidate for sure. Um, you know, he's. I am. They, they need. They're going to need him to play well. Um, like you said, they. Uh, like I or like I mentioned, uh, you know, earlier in the show that you know they have a lot of unproven guys there after Bond, and so I think they're going to need Bond to, to kind of step up, you know, on on the field and and from a leadership role, like you mentioned. Um, as far as missing Andrew Van Ginkle, yeah, I, th- I think they they will. I mean, I think when when Van Ginkle was was not at a hundred percent, they they missed him last year. I think it's. Uh, it was it was difficult for them to uh, to get enough pressure on the quarterback when when he wasn't um, when he wasn't a hundred percent or when he was out. Um, and I think they're they're going to have to try to find some more guys who can get after the passer. Uh, I mean, I, th- I think Bond probably needs to improve some in that area as well. And um, I, I think that's probably one one of the biggest things. Uh, you know, sort of a big question for this defense is can they get their pass rush back to what it was. Uh, when they had guys like like T.J. Watt and Vince Beagle and Joe Schobert um, at that position, um, so I think that's I, I think like I said, I think there's a lot of candidates there to step up, uh, uh, you know, opposite Bond. But um, you knew when Van Ginkle was healthy, he was going to give you that, and and with him gone, um, it's going to be interesting to see if they can they can find a good replacement. Jason, with Christian Bell uh, announced as out for the spring, uh, and. Kind of with with Griffin Grady moving over and and what seeming to be or what is seeming to be excuse me, uh, 
the coach is kind of looking for some, maybe not some answers, but uh, looking for some help at the position. Um, Spencer Lytle, obviously, we mentioned, is a was a pretty highly ranked, uh, highly considered high school prospect and had over 40 scholarship offers or something obnoxious. Uh, coming from that that national power program, how much do you think that uh, he could really put himself in a position to be uh, in the mix, maybe not even for a starting spot, but to contribute as a true freshman at, at outside linebacker? Yeah, I think Lytle is really interesting because, like you said, he had so many offers, and I, I think Clemson even even offered him at at, at one point. And um, you know, he, he's a guy that I think I think people have gotten excited about him. He is one of the highest higher ranked guys, but he's he's also you know somewhat flown a little under the radar as far as I, I you know he, he's not one of the guys you 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 first mention when you when you think about guys that could come in here and, and play right away like like the Graham Mertzes of the world. Um, but but I, I think he's definitely got an opportunity. I mean, again, I, you know, again, I don't know a whole lot, um, about what, how prepared he's going to be or what he's going to be since he, you know, we haven't seen him in, in this setting yet and at this level. Uh, but, but I think, you know, based on his recruiting ranking and like you said, coming from powerhouse high school, um, he, he may be, you know, coming in in the spring too. I mean, I, I think that's, that's underrated sometimes as far as how much it can help freshmen, uh, coming in and, and giving them, uh, a better chance to play as, as in their first year, you know, uh, to come in here in January and, and, and get your school started and kind of get it, get acclimated and, and start learning the defense um, now in, in, in March and April, rather than, than uh, the summer and in the fall and, and having to kind of rush things. Um, I, I think it definitely helps him. And like, I, I think I, I would definitely loop, you know, loop him in with some of the other candidates I mentioned earlier um, that, that, that could compete for, for a rotational spot on, on, at that position, I think with, with Grady moving over and, and, uh, and then, like you said, Christian Bell's going to be out, but maybe he can factor in when he's healthy in the fall. But, you know, a couple other young guys like, like Jalen Franklin or Isaiah Green May, um, they're guys that, that, like I mentioned before, you know, Leonard said that, that had done pretty well in, in bull prep practices. And, and so maybe, maybe they can, uh, you know, fight, fight for that starting spot on the other side. And, that's not even mentioning Tyler Johnson, who I think that if if he hadn't gotten injured last year, maybe would have had a little bit better season. So, um, again, a lot of names there, and um, Lytle's a guy that I think uh, could factor in there for sure. I think it really helps him to to come in early. And now, kind of turning our, our attention to 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 wide receivers, and this is a group. Uh, it it's interesting because it, it you have your your top three: AJ Taylor, Danny Davis, Kendrick Pryor, and I know. And maybe I'm, I think I'm guilty about this where I know in our position previews in the spring and fall last year, it kind of felt like we kind of hyped them up and last year. And obviously that was before Quintus Evis was suspended indefinitely uh, due to his legal situation with a standing trial uh, coming up in July, late July for, uh, you know, the, the two sexual assault charges right now that, that are against him. My, I guess, you know, now with this group, you have the top three, uh, and then you have Aaron Crookshank, who played all 13 games, and Taz Mustafa, another true freshman who enrolled early, had four games that he played. And Jack Dunn, Adam Crumholtz, uh, two two walk ons that have stepped up in the past couple of years. And then you have, you know, even registered sophomores like Cade Green and gosh, Emmett Perry, for that matter. And, and uh, Along with even a, red, a rising redshirt freshman AJ Abbott, there, there's there's some talent in my opinion, but 
uh, outside of the top three, maybe not obviously maybe top four, if you include Dunn with the amount of snaps he got last year and Crookshank, maybe top five with Crookshank. I mean, what should really be the, the expectations for this group, Jason coming up for, for maybe what to do this spring, but, but also just looking ahead, even down the road in for the season itself in 2019. Yeah, I think it's I think it's natural to kind of temper expectations after after we hyped them up so much last year and it didn't really work out. And I I do think the the quarterback play really didn't help them last year. But when you look at the talent of those top three guys, uh, you know, with Taylor Davis and Pryor, um, I mean, they they should be good enough to make 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 more plays than they did last year, regardless of the quarterback play. Um, so I, I you know it's going to help that they you know I I think it was kind of came all at them at once with with Cephas leaving. I mean that was that was really soon before the season. Uh, I, th- I think within two weeks uh, before the season, the Cephas the Cifa stuff broke, and he was suddenly gone. And Davis was then suspended for the first two games. And you know, I, I think it just kind of, uh, I think it, I think it kind of threw the group off a little bit. You know, they said all the right things and said that you know it wasn't affecting them, but 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 maybe it did in the long run. And I think we underestimated too uh, just just how just how good Cephas was, uh, just how important he was to this offense and. And the deep threat he gave them too, because uh, that was kind of one of the main reasons, the main you know fallbacks for this passing game is they just they just didn't get the downfield plays that they they had gotten the last couple of years. Um, but but I think there's like you said, there's still a lot of talent there. Uh, those top three guys are, are are really good in my opinion, and uh, I, I think if they can get some better quarterback play this year, that'll help them as well. But I think even even if they don't get much better quarterback play, that they're capable of making. Uh, more plays than they did last year, so I, I I think our expectations should be, and it, it's it's tough too. I mean, you look, go back and look, watch these games, and it's always hard without coaches' tape uh, to to watch positions like wide receiver. You just don't ever know um, unless you can see behind the quarterback, you know, how those guys are doing play to play, and it, it, are they getting the separation? Um, you know, I, I, you know, are are they getting open? And so it, it it's difficult to to evaluate them in that sense too. Uh, but, but, but I think these guys are, are really good. And I, I think the passing game will, I, I think it's got to improve at least, at least a little bit from last year. And uh, I think another year, um, of all those guys coming back, I, I think it's going to be, I, I think it's got to be better than last year. So I, I, again, I, I'm pretty high on these guys still. I, I'm, I'm going to go in a little bit with a little bit more tempered expectations than, than the previous season. Um, I, I don't think they're going to, you know, hit their goal of, you know, breaking last year's goal of, you know, breaking the the school record for for passing touchdowns or anything like that. Um, but 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 again, I I do think these get this is a talented group and they're they're going to be able to play better than they did last year. All right, Jason. So moving into the spring here, obviously they've the Badgers are in a uh, I guess an advantageous position. They already have their established guys at the position, um, and I think as you as. Paul mentioned yesterday a lot of development can take place in this spring. Obviously, moving uh, Isaac Garendo, who I believe started camp last year as a a running back before going back to wide receiver and now back to running back, uh, and and Brady Shipper, who played running back in high school, uh, moving to running back. Who do you think can use this spring? Uh, who can who can really make a move? I guess if there was one guy that that could maybe join the the group of established receivers or the ones who we theoretically know um their what their role should be or what they can grow off of who do you think is a guy that could see more time this year you know, i i would say crookshank but uh he was like the mvp of spring ball last year and and uh and ended up not doing a whole lot on <laughs> offense I and mean, we were we were raving over the guy you know day in and day out during spring last year and 
you know, I think most of the the top wide receivers um, sat out of spring last year. I think, if I remember correctly, I believe AJ Taylor was the only one of the top four uh, to participate in spring ball. So it kind of gave Crookshank the opportunity to show what he can do. And I, I think he, I think with a with another full off season ahead of him, though, if he can continue to kind of progress forward and have another big spring, I, I think he probably is the top candidate to to kind of join that group. Uh, and potentially pass up Jack Dunn to to get it to force his way out of the two deep. Um, I I think I think he has shown what he can do. I think it's just I think he just had a little bit more of an adjustment period with uh with with kind of the you know with, with the mental side of the game too. Uh, last year I, I think it was just a big transition for him. And uh, I I think Taj Mustafa too is another guy that that really impressed during the first four games. I think people you know some people kind of forgot about him because he played four games and then we didn't see him again, but. Uh, you know, that was just because they wanted to redshirt him. So I, I, I think he, he, I think he showed quite a bit in in spring practice, and I, I think he, I think Mustafa last spring would have gotten a lot more um, attention if if Crookshank wasn't there. I think he he also performed really well last spring, and uh, but Crookshank was was kind of overshadowing him. Uh, so I, I'm pretty high on Mustafa too. So I, I think those are the two guys I would pick out as with with big off seasons maybe they could join that group and and slide in there as the fourth receiver and, and challenge done for that role um you know i think that they, they've really got a wealth they've really got a lot of depth at this position and it didn't really show last year but i think um those two guys being being in their first year last year if they have another good off season they could um they could make a jump one more question for the receivers before we take a look at the specialists, which is obviously my, my favorite group to cover. Um, specialists are people too. hashtag, but uh, with, with the receivers, uh, what do you think guys like Cade green or Emmett Perry could do? I, I, I remember talking to John Veldheis from badgerblitz.com about this. I think at the end of last fall camp during that scrimmage where green kind of stood out when he was with the reserves. And, and obviously I think he was injured for uh, part of last fall camp. So he wasn't able to do as much and that kind of opened the door for guys like Jack Dunn and Aaron Crookshank and Taz Mustafa to really get a lot of reps too. But uh, I mean, and I know we haven't seen a lot of them per se because the injuries have kind of kept them out or, or just they're buried behind everybody else on the depth chart. But uh, how big is this spring do you think for those two guys? Are you sure the specialists are your favorite group to talk about? I think I think Alec Engold and uh, and those guys are. Oh, that's true. <laughs> uh, you called me out. That's right. Yeah, fullback city and specialty. I mean, yeah, <laughs> I, I I try to divide my loyalties uh, with them, though. Uh, you know, you have those connections with those guys that don't do anything for practice for you know most of practice and only come on for the the beginning and, and at the end of the practices. But I no, I thank you for calling it out. I appreciate. That. <laughs> yeah, no, no, we don't have we don't have any sympathy for the guys that only practice like four periods a day. <laughs> <laughs> I just got, just got to hold you accountable there, Jake. But uh, as far as Emma Perry that. and as far as Emma Perry um, and, and Kate Green go, yeah, I, I just think that they're, uh, they, I think they've really fallen behind and they, it's going to, I think it's going to be difficult at this point for them to, to get in a position to, to get some, some real, real snaps and some real playing time. Uh, this is, I, I feel like this is sort of, you know, uh, I know they have a few years left, but this is I, this might be sort of their last opportunity. Um, while, while guys like Krokshank and Mustafa are still young, um, now and, and you know you still have I think the only senior in the group is AJ Taylor. Um, so even next yep. year they're only going to be losing one guy. Um, so it, it's I, I think it's I think it's I think it's a big offseason for them for both those guys if, if they want to try to um, 
do something here before their career is over. Uh, you know, it's, it's been a, it's been a kind of a struggle so far for them to, uh, you know, the guys that came in right before them, um, were so talented. I, I don't think there was any catching them. And, and now that they've brought in a, some, some talented guys like Kirkshank and Mustafa and, um, you know, last year, I think it's, I, I think it has been difficult for them to kind of stay up there. So, it, you know, they're interesting ones to watch because I think they, you know, there, there is some urgency behind, you know, the, I, I think, you know, as their career goes along, they, you know, and all, the, all this talented position, they're going to want to do everything they can to kind of work their way on the field. But I think at this point, it's going to be, it's going to be difficult. And now we'll go to the specialists. Obviously, a, a player that, Everyone knows and is near and dear to many in Badger Nation's hearts. That's Rafael Gaglianoni. He is departing and the all-time field goals leader in school history. And that opens the door for a couple of players with Colin Larsh and Zach Hintz. And Hintz actually attempted a 62-yard field goal against Northwestern that had the leg, but it was off. Um I guess leading off with, with place kicking duties. And we know that Hintzel likely take care of the kickoff specialist duties where the vast majority of his kickoffs in 2018 went for touchbacks and allowed the defense to at least have decent uh, ability to start, uh, you know, to try to attack uh, inside enemy territory in that regard. But for place kicking, who do you think has the, who do you feel has the edge? Cause I know Larch was the, number two place kicker on the depth chart. Uh, but, you know, how big is it for them to establish uh, during this time period, you know, who takes over for, for, for Hoffa? Yeah, I think Lars definitely has the edge. Like you mentioned, he was, he was the number two guy throughout last year. And I, I think during fall camp, when we actually got to see practice, he, um, you know, we don't get to see too many kicks, but, but I think, you know, he, he seemed to be making a lot in, in practice when we saw um, so I, I, I think he's a good kicker and, and he's got a chance to have a really solid year. And, um, you know, I, I think Hintz will still handle the really long kicks. Like if they want to attempt a 60 yard at the end of, at the end of the half or something like that, like we saw, um, I, I think you probably mentioned what game it was, but I don't remember what game it was, but, um, I think he'll still be there for that. And of course he'll still handle kickoffs. He was one of the best guys, really one of the best guys in the country at, at, at kickoffs last year. Um, so I, I think he'll definitely, he'll definitely still have a role, but if I'm looking at who's going to replace Gaglianone, I, I'm definitely looking at, at Larsh as the favorite there. And, you know, I, again, again, like as we saw, Hintz has the leg. I think it's just um, to trying to become as accurate as he can. If he can get a little more accurate, maybe he can push Larsh for that starting job. But but I, I think as we enter spring ball here, I think you have to make Larsh the favorite. Uh, as we've seen, uh, I guess, during uh, Paul Christ's tenure, uh, Wisconsin isn't afraid to use a lot of different special teamers. Uh, you know, we've seen obviously Gaglianone as the kicker, but Andrew Endicott has been a kickoff guy and PJ Rosowski was a kickoff guy and now Hints as well. And there's two senior punters that both saw time last year um, in, in Anthony Lottie and Connor Allen uh, and, and a bit of uh, transition, I guess, that Lottie had really had the position for two years. And then last year uh, for the second half of the year, for most of it, um, either seemed to fall out of favor with the coaching staff or, or was simply uh, usurped by Allen. Uh, who do you anticipate uh, getting the call, or do you think this is really a competition that that spring ball could probably help sort out heading into the summer? Yeah, I think I, I think this will probably be a full fledged competition. I mean, you look at sort of last year. I think Lottie took the first seven games, and suddenly Allen was punting, and um, 
he did the last five games in the regular, regular season, and then Lottie came back, and it was actually the one to punt in the bowl game. Um, so that was pretty interesting. And that these guys are, were kind of in a comp. I guess they were kind of in a competition throughout last year. And um, you know, unless one can separate, um, which we we haven't seen that yet, um, I, I think it's going to be. I, I think it's probably something that we won't know until you know, probably at some point in August. I, I don't. I don't know if we're going to come out of spring really knowing who the who the number one punter is, you know, I think typically when they do special teams drills, uh, they've got, you know, two snappers going and, um, you know, usually the guys are punting at the same time. So I, I mean, in, in a scrimmage situation, they don't punt. Uh, so I don't think we're going to be able to see who sort of quote unquote, the first guy out there is in these practices. So it's going to be interesting to see just kind of how they perform throughout spring and then into the fall. And, um, again, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's two guys that had pretty similar punting averages last year. Um, I, I think if you're Wisconsin, you, you hope that one of them separates because, uh, I, I mean, they're punting average uh, last year and really the last, you know, you know, quite a few years. It hasn't really been up to par with uh, with others in, you know, in the Big Ten. I think I think that you, you would like to at least get sort of in the middle of the pack in the Big Ten and in the country and, and, and you're punting. And, I, you know, Lottie's had good stretches where he's been really good at, you know, downing punts inside the 20, inside the 10. Um, but, but as far as just, you know, flipping the field, I think they need, they, they, they want to be able to prove in that area. Um, so I think that, um, I think they, they're going to hope that one of these guys can separate. Last question for you before we let you go. I know we promised you, I said to you, we'd get done about 25 and of course we're running like <laughs> 33 minutes into this podcast, Jason. So we appreciate you sticking no with us, my good man. And of course you can find Jason's work at the Wisconsin state journal at madison.com. And of course, follow him on Twitter at Jason underscore Galloway. That's two L's folks. When it comes to the return game, who in your opinion steps up in both kickoff and in the punt return games, because you have, I mean, Jack Dunn averaged five and a half yards per return. He was reliable uh, for the most part in terms of catching the ball, though, maybe if I remember correctly, one or two of them, a couple of them, uh, he let fall and, and gave the team kind of bad position to start off with uh, on offense. But also the kickoff return game, Crookshanks became the number one kickoff returner, about 20 and a half yards per return on his end for those kickoffs. But uh, his long was 34, and though it felt like maybe he had a chance to break one or two, well, it wasn't necessarily the a big explosion in this third phase of the game. Uh, but uh, do you think those two are the ones that kind of go into the club, you know, go into spring being the leaders, or do you feel like a, a guy like Danny Davis could step in with the punt return game, who was listed number two in the depth chart as well? Yeah, I think I think those guys are the favorites that did, the, the ones that did it last year. I think Davis definitely could um, challenge on punts uh, because you know I I think I think he, before Davis was suspended, maybe I, I think he was probably their guy, but then Dunn came in and did a pretty decent job, and he just kind of kind of stuck with it the rest of the year. But uh, you mentioned, you know, done letting a couple punts go by. Um, you know, this has been something with, since I've covered Wisconsin that I've seen happen a lot where um, it seems like they, they could come up and catch a punt and, and they let it hit and it rolls. I, I wonder if it's, I wonder if the staff is more, you know, wants to take that, you know, better safe than sorry approach. And they're being instructed to, you know, if you're not a hundred percent sure you can go up and catch that ball cleanly, go ahead and let it bounce and, and we'll, we'll, we'll keep the ball. Um, so I, I think Dunn did a pretty good job on punts. You know, he didn't have a whole lot of, a whole lot of opportunities. Um, you know, I, I think for the most part, he, he did everything he could, you know, like you said, he let a couple bounce, but I think there have been years in the past where, where that, that, that has been, 
worse than what, what Dunn did, the, the couple that he let go. So I, I think Dunn's probably still the favorite. I, I would definitely say Davis is is – I wouldn't be surprised at all if Davis did take over though. Um, and I think Crookshank you know, that, 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 that's, that's an interesting one for me because, you know, Crookshank looked like, you know, I, I think there were a couple returns where he looked pretty dangerous back there, but um, I think for most of the year, he didn't really give them a whole lot on those returns. And so I think they'll try out a lot of guys there. You know, you know, I, I think Kendrick Pryor is another guy that um, I feel like could do that uh, job as well. So I think they're going to try out a lot of guys there. I, I think Crookshank is still probably the favorite to, to hold on to that. But I think that, yeah, you know, the the one big thing too with Crookshank, uh, sort of like Dunn, is I, as far as I remember, I don't think he fumbled. Um, so I think that ball security is really important to them as well. Uh, maybe I'm mistaken there. Maybe he had a fumble and didn't lose it. Uh, but I, I I think those two, I would probably, you know, have those two as the sort of the favorites. And but but I do think I don't think either of them were good enough to where uh, that's definite. I think they'll definitely try a lot of guys out there, and we'll kind of see how it develops. Jason, man, as always, man, we appreciate you. Well, anything else you got coming up for? I know you've gone through all the, if you guys go to Madison.com and Wisconsin State Journal, you have your previews up for the positions. Anything else you got coming up for? We are allowed inside either Camp Randall or the McLean facility on Tuesday. Yeah, we did. Um, you know, we did finish our position previews today. We also got a, a, a red zone podcast up. I, I host my own podcast. Uh, so check that out on iTunes or Google play. It's called the red zone. We just did a little mailbag episode, um, kind of talking about spring ball. So you can check that out. Um, may have a feature later in the week on, uh, on Joe Tippman incoming freshman that won't be here until the summer, but, uh, kind of starting to do some features on, on some of these freshmen that are coming in and, and kind of get taking a look at some of those guys. Awesome, man. Well, we love having you on. We'd love to have you back on again sometime during the spring to talk more and some see what you see through your eyes and compare to what I'm seeing and what if one if Owen can get out what he sees as well. But uh, appreciate you coming on again, my good man. Well, and I'll see you next week. Yeah, anytime. I'll see you at uh, at camp. Guys, right it's Jason Galloway from the Wisconsin State Journal and Madison.com. We're gonna take one quick break. Wrap up the show with a couple quick mailbag questions here on Bucky's Fifth Podcast. And we're wrapping up here on Bucky's Fifth Podcast. Big thanks again to Jason Galloway. Again, follow him at Jason underscore Galloway on Twitter. Follow us at B5Q at Reesdraft, R-I-E-S-E, draft, and me at Coco b 5 q Thank you guys again for listening. We'll get into how to listen to us and where to listen to us and how to spread the word and what reviews uh, you know, to give us coming up a little bit later but also um, maybe a bit of, of breaking news here and i apologize if we're going to cover this on another night uh ty strickland uh speaking of badger basketball going to transfer uh so maybe the uh remaining depth of the badger guards are going to tweet hold on to your butts uh because they're about to get more minutes yeah i mean that's a big thing too we yeah we didn't get a chance to to cover this one yet but ben's basketball the true freshman guard Leaving had about 3.1 minutes per contest, about 1.8 points per game. Scored a career high 14. I was at 14 points and dished out a six assists against Savannah State back in mid December. He is now leaving. Uh, if you take a look at Jim Polzine from the Wisconsin State Journal, he said that he wasn't necessarily surprised by the move. Uh, best of wish to Ty. We've had him on the podcast right after he uh, he committed to Wisconsin back last spring. And also we had him on in, uh, I think it was January and, and he was a great talk. And I, I thought he had a lot of potential. 
really, in my opinion. I thought he, with how he commanded the ball, I, I thought he was a little too fast here and there uh, for Greg Gard's offense and how he, yeah, at first, uh, I thought he maybe needed another year in the weight room. But you saw the flashes and the potential. And I remember talking to Dean Oliver about how, you know, Demetri Trice, Brad Davison, but even Ty Strickland had an ability where when the shot clock winds down, he has the ability to hit, you know, to drain a three or an open, you know, make a, make a shot happen from deep and having that confidence to do so. So I think the playmaking ability took a hit at the guard position, but you have Trice, Davison, Brevin Pritzel, Kobe King, Trevor Anderson, who will be coming back from uh, from a knee injury as well. So uh, there's playing time would be sparse. Uh, best Again, best wishes to Ty. Uh, looking forward to seeing where he ends up on that. Um, but before we get going, brother, uh, anything else you got? No, man. Five-star reviews only. Uh, you can find us on uh, Google Play, uh, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, uh, and anywhere else you find your podcasts. Uh, we enjoy doing this. And like I said, just give us some feedback. Let us know uh, what you like about the show, what you want to hear about, what you don't like. Um, but five-star reviews only. Those are the only rules. We appreciate you guys listening to us. We're going to have one more spring position preview with offensive and defensive line for Owen and saving the best for last uh, in terms of uh, the macho man, the you know cream of the crop rises to the top. And we'll use that as our, uh, our finishing up for the podcast spring position previews there. So we'll have that up in probably a few days. We'll let you know when that drops to begin. Big thanks to Jason Galloway. And we appreciate you guys all once again uh, for tuning in to Bucky Smith podcast. 